You're a busy provider trying to stay current with the latest HIV testing, prevention, and treatment guidelines, and your pockets are overflowing with note cards. You need a convenient, trustworthy source for HIV testing, treatment, prevention, and care protocols. All healthcare professionals have a role in stopping HIV. Introducing HIV Care Tools from the AIDS Education and Training Center program. The HIV Care Tools mobile app is simple, free, and fully functional offline or online. It features quick guides for HIV prevention, screening, testing, diagnosis, and treatment. HIV Care Tools provides common clinical calculators used in HIV management and provide validated screening tools for comorbidities such as depression, substance use disorders, and PTSD. And if you need clinician-to-clinician consultation, HIV Care Tools provides one-touch access to free clinical consultation services by a multidisciplinary team of experts. Take us with you. Download HIV Care Tools today. Welcome to Nika in the Know, a podcast for healthcare providers in the HIV field. I'm Mariana Brayman. Today, we're sitting down with John Farragon to talk about a new development in battling the COVID-19 pandemic the use of casirivimab plus imdevimab as post-exposure prevention. Thanks so much for coming on, John. Yeah, thanks, Mariana. There's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of name soup here with the meds, right? This Cassi and imdevimab, it gets, uh, they're very difficult to, uh, to pronounce. So, so far, so good, right? <laughs> yes. So, John, tell listeners a little bit about this recent development to use these two drugs to prevent COVID-19 for people who have been exposed to the virus. In what cases should it be administered and to whom? Yeah, so this just recently happened at the end of July. So in the middle of the summer, um, the FDA expanded the EUA, which is the emergency use authorization uh, for the anti-SARS-CoV-2 monoclonal antibodies, casirivimab plus imdevimab. So those of you who don't know, that's the Regeneron. Some people will call it the Regeneron combination. Uh, and the indication now uh, is allowing this combination to be used as post-exposure prophylaxis or for what we call PEP, right? So we use that word a lot in HIV, not PrEP, but PEP, post-exposure prophylaxis um, for SARS-CoV-2 for selected individuals. Um, so right now, the, the authorized dosage for, for casirivimab 600 milligrams plus imdevimab, 600 milligrams. And then this is administered as four subcutaneous injections, 2.5 mLs per injection. So I wanna make sure everybody's clear on this. So this is not easy to do uh, from a administration standpoint, right? It's, it's okay to get the drug, um, but in order to do that, uh, it's basically winds up being 10 mLs of injections given sub-Q. So it's four, 2.5 ml sub-Q injections, and then you have to do it at four different sites. Now, what you could do also for, for post-exposure prophylaxis is administer the entire CASI 600 plus Indevimab 600 as a single IV infusion uh, for patients who are at high risk of, of, of progressing to severe COVID-19, and that's certainly reasonable as well. So basically, um, really the CAS, the CASI plus the Indevimab really should be given as soon as possible after exposure. And, and who should actually get those, get, get this, or who's recommended to get post-exposure prophylaxis? And, and the list is, is here. Um, it, it's for individuals with symptoms that are consistent with COVID-19. Uh, it's for individuals who have recently been exposed to SARS-CoV-2 and have symptoms that are consistent with COVID-19. 
um, and, they, and they're evaluated for SARS-CoV-2 infection either by a nucleic acid test or antigen testing. And also individuals with positive SARS-CoV-2 nucleic acid testing or antigen test uh, results who meet the emergency use authorization criteria for therapeutic use of, of these monoclonal antibodies. Um, and they, they should all be referred to treatment. So if you look in the, in the, um, in the EUA, there's a list of who should actually get uh, these SARS-CoV-2 monoclonal antibody treatments, and in particular, those people who meet the EUA criteria for therapeutic use. But the bottom line is that this is for people who, um, who have symptoms that are consistent with COVID-19, who've been exposed, uh, and basically who, who have, uh, or those who have positive, uh, positive test results. The most important thing here is that it's, it's for uh, the, the new changes, basically, that it's now approved for, at least by the EUA, um, for post-exposure uh, prophylaxis. So what are the recommendations when it comes to post-exposure? Yeah, so these are the recommendations right now, uh, Mariana. So the, the panel is recommending that the CASI plus Endevimab, and we didn't say this, but when we say the panel, this is basically coming from the NIH guidelines. Um, this would be administered either as that sub-Q injection, as I mentioned before, or an IV infusion. For post-exposure prophylaxis, for people who, have, who are at high risk of progression uh, to severe COVID-19, uh, if infected with SARS-CoV-2 and who have the following, if they're not fully vaccinated um, or if they're fully vaccinated but not expected to mount an adequate immune response. So for example, anybody who has immunocompromising conditions, uh, including those who are taking immunosuppressive drugs, they would, they would meet that criteria. And they had to have had exposure to SARS-CoV-2, had a recent exposure to an individual SARS-CoV-2 that's consistent with the CDC close contact criteria, um, or those who are at high risk of exposure uh, to, another, to another individual with SARS-CoV-2 infection because of recent occurrence of SARS-CoV-2 in the other individuals in the same institutional setting. For example, nursing homes and prisons. So basically, bottom line, if you've been exposed to somebody with SARS-CoV-2, this may be an option for, for, for some patients for, for post-exposure prophylaxis. I think the most important place, I think, for this is, is in some of those high-risk settings like nursing homes, uh, prisons, if someone's been uh, exposed and they've exposed five other people, and before the, and if those five other people have really high-risk conditions, or especially if they've been unvaccinated, this is going to be a potential option for them for post-exposure prophylaxis. I'll just tell you, though, the one thing that's very important about all of this is making sure that there's enough drug around so that you have to have drug supply to be able to do this. And I think that's something that all of the institutions that are dealing with this are trying to figure out. If you have the drug and you have enough of it, it's fine, but if you're in an area where they may not be shipping you as much medication as other places, um, there may be a limited supply of this CASI uh, plus Endevimab, and that would limit your ability to use this for post-exposure because you're probably going to use it for patients who are um, who have been uh, diagnosed with SARS-CoV-2 infection. What about the timing and doses of Casarivimab plus Endevimab? What should providers know? Yeah, I think the most important thing is the seven days, uh, within seven days of high-risk exposure, I think that's the most important piece. So people ask about timing, you know, when can you do this? Obviously within seven days is the is probably the best. Um, Castorivimab plus Endevimab um, should be given as those four sub-Q injections at four different sites or as a single infusion. Uh, patients should be observed for at least one hour after the injections or the infusion. Again, these are monoclonal antibodies, so you're always concerned that there might be reactions after they've gotten it. Um, there is insufficient evidence, so not enough evidence for the panel to recommend uh, for or against repeating the doses every four weeks for those who have received post-exposure prophylaxis and who continue to have 
high risk exposures. So let's say you're you're in um, you're in a, a nursing home setting and you're exposed to one patient, and then you know a month later you're exposed to another patient. This whole idea of giving this drug continuously every four weeks is not there's just not enough data in order to to recommend that yet. So um, the guidelines do not recommend that at this point for post exposure prophylaxis. Talk a little bit about the data that's out there to support the use of this new drug combination. Yeah, so for post-exposure prophylaxis, the pivotal trial that really um, was shown here was a randomized double-blind placebo-controlled phase three study that was conducted at um, over 100 sites in, in the U.S. and also there were some uh, uh, sites in Romania and, and uh, Moldova. Um, these uh, this trial uh, took patients who were over 12 years who were exposed to a household contact. So basically that's called the index patient. And, they, and that index patient had a positive SARS-CoV-2 PCR, which is basically our, our standard of care for testing or standard, basically our gold standard for testing um, from a nasal pharyngeal swab um, that was collected within the previous 96 hours. And then the study participants um, were asymptomatic and had a negative uh, PCR from a, from a nasal pharyngeal swab. And then uh, they were they intended to live with the index patient for 28 days following during follow-up. So this basically is thinking a perfect example: elderly patient gets SARS-CoV-2 infection and they're living with five other people. The question is, what happens to these five other people if you give them uh, CASI plus endivimab? And that's basically what they did. So they randomized people to either get the CASI and endivimab. So these again, these are the high the high risk exposures of the contact patient of the of the index patient. And they either gave them, um, uh, they, in this study, they actually gave them sub-Q injections uh, at different sites in the, either the abdomen or thigh with nasal swabs that were collected weekly. And then basically they followed these patients over time to see whether or not they got sick or not, the patients who were getting this Cassian and Devimab as kind of post-exposure prophylaxis. And key efficacy points were looked at, and, and again, there's a lot of data here, but at the, at the end of the day, the primary analysis looked at just over 1,500 patients um, about half, half got CASI plus endevimab, half got placebo. And the people who got the, um, uh, the, uh, the CASI plus the endevimab, this resulted in a significant reduction in the risk of symptomatic SARS-CoV-2 infections compared to placebo. And basically, if you look at that risk reduction, it's about 80% risk reduction. Um, 11 of the 753 versus 59 of the 752 patients got went on to get SARS-CoV-2 infection. So really there's a risk reduction by basically putting people on CASI plus endevimab after high risk exposures to, to index patients uh, by using you know, this sub-Q sub -Q in, in injection. And based on that, they really think that the injection, the IV infusion will work just as well. So that's another way to kind of, to kind of, of administer it. Um, that risk reduction was actually present throughout the follow-up period. And again, throughout um, throughout four weeks after they actually got the got the injections, so the hospitalizations were rare, and none of the, none no patient in the CASI plus endevimab wound up in the uh, in the hospital. There were four in the placebo arm. Um, so the study demonstrated um, that if a patient's uh, SARS CoV two uh, did wind up being positive during the trial, the duration of detection was actually shorter in those patients who got CASI plus endevimab versus the placebo arm. So again. As we talk about the amount of clonal antibodies, it's very similar to the vaccination data where your duration of, even if you get, if you have uh, SARS-CoV-2 infection and you get vaccinated, the duration of your, of your infection is shorter. And this actually showed the same thing that the duration of infection after you got the CASI plus endevimab was actually shorter than those patients who just got the placebo. 
So again, there's a lot of benefits, I think, to this post-exposure prophylaxis story. So the bottom line here is that, is that um, the use of, of CASI plus Endevimab, so Casarivimab 600, Endevimab 600, either 600, 600 either by four 2.5 mil sub-Q injections or IV uh, over, over an hour um, for post-exposure prophylaxis for, uh, for, for high-risk patients seems reasonable and is now, now in, within the guidelines from the NIH for, for COVID-19 management. And I think that's really the, the most important piece is that now we can use this potentially for, for post-exposure prophylaxis. As we begin to wrap up, are there any final thoughts on what providers need to know when it comes to combining casarivimab and devimab to, you know, use it as PEP for COVID-19? Yeah, so as I mentioned before, I think this is important. The, the CASI plus the endevimab is really in high demand. Um, there are currently no shortages uh, of monoclonal antibodies, um, uh, but there's logistical constraints. And in some places, and while I say there's no shortages, you know, identified, but I can tell you locally, sometimes you will have supply and then you won't. I think it depends on uh, how they're allocating it based on how bad the outbreaks are in certain areas of the country. Limited space on not, not enough staff who can administer the therapy. That's certainly been a problem, I think, in a lot of centers where there may not be enough people to administer the therapy. And, and it really is putting a tax on the, on the people who work in, in some of the uh, infusion center places um, to make it difficult uh, to administer all these agents cells with patients. And I think the sub-Q pieces is sometimes difficult as well. But the NIH guidelines does provide some guidance. And I think really prioritizing the treatment of COVID-19 over PEP. So really, if you have somebody who has active COVID-19, those people should get drug over somebody for post-exposure prophylaxis. Because again, post-exposure prophylaxis, those patients don't actually have, have SARS-CoV-2. You're just trying to prevent it in a high-risk exposure. But the people who have COVID-19 and have a positive PCR, you really should prioritize the treatment to those people. I think prioritizing the following uh, certain groups over vaccinated individuals who are expected to have, a, uh, have mounted an immune response, obviously unvaccinated patients or incompletely vaccinated individuals who are high risk of progressing um, uh, to COVID-19, vaccinated individuals who may be immunocompromised, um, and, and I think the most important piece of all this, we're talking about CASI plus Devimab as post-exposure prophylaxis. So, so this is people who've been exposed to an index case, uh, index patient. I want to make sure it's very clear that people don't think we're using this um, for, for prep, meaning that you know someone who hasn't been exposed but is just worried about it. We're not using CASI plus Devimab for for pre-exposure prophylaxis. It's really for people who've been exposed to somebody who's a high index case. And I think that's probably one of the most important pieces to, to, to make as kind of, a, um, uh, as kind of a, a differentiating piece of PEP versus PrEP, right? So this is really for post-exposure prophylaxis. But again, another option for people who are at high risk for progression, who may have been exposed to somebody who has, uh, who has a positive uh, PCR for SARS-CoV-2, this is a great option for them. If, if you have availability of the drug and you're not taking it away from people who, who actually have SARS-CoV-2 uh, for, for, for treatment. John, thank you so much for joining us today and getting us up to speed on this new recommendation for post-exposure prophylaxis for COVID-19. 
We really hope you learned something new today. To learn more about Nika AATC's work and our role in ending the HIV epidemic, visit us at www.nikaatc.org. That's www.nikaatc.org. If you have questions or comments about anything we covered today, or if you have suggestions for topics you'd like to hear us talk about, don't hesitate to email us at podcast at nikaatc.org. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T at nikaatc.org. Stay safe and we'll see you on Thursday for our next episode of Nika in the Know. This presentation is supported by the Health Resources and Services Administration, HRSA, of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, HHS. The contents are those of the authors and do not necessarily represent the official views of, nor an endorsement by HRSA, HHS, or the U.S. government.